Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining me today for episode 27 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Today's guest, Marquita Griffin Roberts, put her stamp on her fifth Final Four state tournament appearance a couple of weeks ago. The Copley, Ohio resident has been an official for 17 years. She's a member of the Greater Akron Basketball Officials Association and the Portage County Basketball Officials Association, both in Northeast Ohio. Now listen, we're not only talking about a very good basketball official, but a basketball official who had a stellar basketball career. Now let's start in high school. She graduated in 1995 from Ellett High School in Akron. Now check out some of these accomplishments from her. She's a two-time Akron City Player of the Year, a two-time Division I All-Ohio First Team member, a two-time All-District First Team member. She's the all-time leading scorer in the school. She was the Akron Beacon Journal Player of the Year in 1995 and the Cleveland Plain Dealer Player of the Year in 1995. She wasn't done yet. She received a full athletic scholarship at Ball State University, home of the Cardinals. She was a two-time All-Mac Conference player. She scored over 1,200 points at Ball State, and she graduated in 1999. What a great, great playing career. And then she follows it up with her career as a fantastic basketball uh, high school official in Ohio, a, a really solid state official. She works in alternative education as a compliance and data manager, and she's done that for the past 18 years. I think you're going to be really excited to hear what she has to say today. You know, this podcast, don't fast forward just yet. This podcast is possible each week because of the support from our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner, fellow basketball official and good friend, Matt Kearns. So please visit pq-2.com and learn more about PQ2 LLC. And if you would like to become a segment sponsor or your business, please contact me at markfraylick at hotmail.com. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button to this podcast because once you do that, you'll receive a notification on your phone that indicates, hey, there's a new episode that's that's uh, lifting today. Uh, also, please rate and review the podcast so I know how we're doing. And finally, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can go to anchor.fm backslash mark dash and click on the support button from there you can select any of the monthly options at 99 cents a month 4.99 a month and 9.99 a month again i help this helps with the expenses and, and i just appreciate any uh, any support you can provide and now it is on to episode 27 enjoy the show and thanks for listening Welcome to the podcast, and I think we've got a real interesting guest today, simply from the fact of not only do we have, as you heard in the introduction, uh, we have the experience with officiating, but my goodness, the uh, the accolades that she received in, in high school and college for her basketball playing ability is certainly impressive to talk, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but first, Marquita, thank you very much for being a part of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast with Mark Fralick. Thank you for having me. So let's dive into 
we, we know that you're a successful high school basketball official. Let's dive into your career in uh, high school as a player and college. That's quite a resume you have, and, and to be able to play at the MAC level at Ball State, um, talk a little bit about those days, and, and then also talk a bit about how those, uh, those days helped you in your officiating career as well. Absolutely. Um, so I, I grew up in the uh, inner city of Akron. Um, I actually grew up on uh, the west side near Bookville High School. Um, but a lot of the schools were trying to integrate the African-Americans and the Caucasians together. So I got bused to uh, Elliott High School, which is probably a good 20 minutes from where I reside. Um, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So I've always enjoyed basketball. I have a twin brother. Um, and oh. He pretty much put the ball in my hands at an early age, um, take me outside in the backyard and uh, play real physical with me. <laughs> so when I got to Ellis, I had a coach who kind of took me up under her wing and, um, you know, helped me with the, the education piece to make sure I had the right ACT scores, the, the right uh, GPA. Um, and because I, really believed that she knew that basketball would take care of itself because I, I worked so hard mm -hmm. um, playing AAU, playing in the summer, playing with my brother, um, that she wanted to make sure that the academic piece would be would, would not be something that, that hinders me. Um, her husband worked at uh, Springfield High School, which is a local public high school right down the street from um, Elliott High School. So I would, after practice, she would take me to her house and tutor me in math and um, in history. In fact, she is still the coach at Elliott High School. So wow. um, a lot of my success, I contribute to. Um, her name is Tina Wallace. Um, so again, basketball just seems so natural to me. Uh, I didn't come from a lot of uh, money, so I knew that if I wanted to play, um, at the next level, level, I needed to find a way to, to get to college and not have to worry about the financial aspect of it. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another. You know, I'm starting off shooting layups as in the ninth grade, the 10th grade. I started working on my mid-range game, mid game. And then um, my junior, senior year, I was able to extend my game beyond a three-point line. I was very quick. I was only 5'5", five, five, but I was very explosive. Um, and I could shoot the three as well. So a lot of teams really didn't know how to guard me. So obviously that was an advantage for me as well. Yeah, and, and you went on to have some great success at Ball State and, uh, what, 1,200 points, uh, I think we mentioned, and uh, some some uh, Mid-American Conference uh, honors as well. Um, boy, you know, that we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the, the officiating part uh, about that a little bit later, but um, your time at Ball State, pretty successful. Did you have fun? Yes, I loved, I loved everything about Ball State. Obviously, uh, the University of Akron was another option that I had. Um, but for me, I just wanted to uh, get out of Ohio, but at the same time, play in a conference where my fans and family would have an opportunity to see yeah. me as well. So when I went on my visit to Ball State, it just, it just felt like home. Um, we had some really good seasons. My coach was wonderful. Um, we didn't win... Uh, the MAC tournament, as you know, Division One is, is very competitive. But yep. our boys, we had Bonzi Wells, who played in the NBA at that right. time. And then it was Wally Zerbiak was at Miami. And Oral Boykins was at uh, 
Eastern Michigan. And so it was really a good time to be a part of the MAC during the time that I was in school. Well, you talk about some of the college floors um, and and play some of the college players and and uh, also some of the college floors that you probably were able to get on it. And uh, just this past week, uh, two weekends ago, you were able to get on the University of Dayton floor for the girls' state tournament final four game, and uh, that uh, that had to be really exciting for you. Once again, I think you said that was your fifth time. So uh, talk a little bit about the differences maybe at Dayton and, uh, and and give us a little insight about your game. Okay. So this season was definitely the most challenging season for me emotionally, mentally, uh, physically. I actually was one of the unfortunate individuals who caught COVID in mm. November, and it really took a lot out of me. And so I decided in November I was not going to officiate this year. I had a full schedule. I I I emailed and text all my signers and was just like, I'm done. I'm going to opt out this season. And some didn't think, you know, why would you opt out? Because since you have COVID, you know, according to the CDC, you have like three months where, you know, you shouldn't get reinfected again. But for me, it really knocked me down. And I just didn't know physically if I was going to be able to compete at the level of officiating that I was accustomed to. Um, So, and like I said, that was in November. I started to get better in December. And then right after Christmas, I emailed the signers and said, you know, I want to come back. I'm ready. I'm healthy. Um, and I know with COVID, there was a lot of games being canceled, a lot of schedules getting moved around. But in January, I once I decided to go, I was going four to five days a week. Um, actually, my first game back was uh, one of the top two teams in the state of Ohio, I, you know, I had a Hogan game, and it, it was a track meet. So it, was, it felt so good to get out there. Obviously, the longs wasn't exactly where it needed to be, but it was. Um, it just felt great to get out there. And um, I knew that it was the opportunity that I may go back to state this year because I was asked to do the Division Two final last year. And, of course, COVID, uh, you know, suspended the season. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that I had – We'll get another opportunity. Um, never been a Dayton, never been on Dayton's floor. So once the contract came, I was very excited. Uh, one of my partners was another partner who was on my crew last year. So it was good that he and I had an opportunity to work again. And then our third official was his first year going down. So it was a great experience. And I just, you know, I just thank OSHA, the players, the the team, the fans. I'm just so grateful that we were able to um, officiate and, and have a OHSAA tournament this year. Yeah, it, it really was. And, and it's. Uh, I think it was just a big breath of relief to be able to get that thing in. And, and now it's exciting to see some of the other states also finish theirs. And some of the states are just getting their high school season started. So that's also exciting to see as well. Well, as people remember, this podcast is broken into several different aspects. We've got the pregame, the first quarter and second quarter. We break for halftime. We go into the third and fourth quarters, and then we have our postgame and our five quick decisions. But first, we want to let our major sponsor, and that is PQ2 LLC, and their owner and fellow basketball official and friend, Matt Kearns, tell you a little bit about their business. Hey, ref, 
If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Welcome to the pregame, and uh, first we want to talk a little bit about your journey into officiating. We, we talked briefly about your uh, success as a player. What made you want to get into officiating? So I remember, like, after I was done with college, I still wanted to play uh, competitively, so I played in a lot of women leagues around Akron. It was very competitive. There was uh, most of my teammates and some of the opposing teammates all played um, Division One basketball, so it, it was very competitive. But I remember the last time I played, um, there was a physical altercation with a player on my team, um, with a, a player on the opposing team. And after that altercation happened, um, I knew it was time for me to move on. I threw all my basketball shoes away. Um, I always follow girls' basketball. Uh, and then one day, one of my closest friends just asked, "Why don't you get into officiating?" And I was like. Okay, I'll, I'll do some research, and I reached out to one of my friends who, who was a part of the officiating fraternity, and I uh, contacted him and took a class with Keith Walker, and I guess the rest is history. Boy, it sure is, and um, yeah, it really is, and, and you've had um, uh, several years of, of success. Do you remember your first game or your first varsity game? I remember my, my first game was a rec game, and I tell you, it was probably one of the hardest games. It was either third or fourth grade, and the parents and the coaches, and, you know, at third or fourth grade, you, you don't know what travel you want to call, what double dribble you want to call, because you want, you want them to have some kind of flow. You know, otherwise, we can be there, you know, two hours. But it was probably one of the hardest games I ref. So uh, once I was able to move up to high school, um I was doing a JV game, and then one of the officials did not show up. And it was probably, I think it was my third year. I just got my class one official, and then one of the varsity officials asked to stay. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah, we need somebody. You've got to be ready. And so um, it was a game. It was a 30-point margin. But I remember feeling like, okay, I just don't want to mess this up. You know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes and, and officiate in anybody's primary. But. Sometimes, and I tell the JV officials all the time, you know, you just you just never know yeah. when you're going to be caught up. So just just be ready. When when did you know that? Hey, I'm pretty good at this. Um, I think I might be able to do this for a long time. Was there a light that flickered and just you, you thought to yourself, "This is a pretty good gig"? Or uh, when did that when did you that know, light bulb go off? So for me. I, I'm very critical of myself, so a lot of time I hear coaches and, you know, other parents or fans saying things to me after the game, like, you really, you did a really good job, or when a finer is coming to evaluate us, and um, I started getting just good evaluations, and constantly, people were constantly telling me, like, oh, you do this really well, you do this really well, you do that really well, and then I remember I went to a Ken Rocco's camp, and I got a lot of uh, positive feedback as well, and so I knew if I can get some positive feedback with Ken Rockhold and his his uh, evaluators, I was thinking like, okay, 
I may I may be ready. Yeah, there's nothing but respect for Ken Rockhold over there. I hear so many good things about him, and I'm not from that side. I've met Ken, and, and we've had him on the episode. And after, uh, you know, I met him before uh, several times, and I've always liked him. And, and after having him on the uh, podcast, I can see why everybody else uh, really has a lot of respect for him. He's genuinely just a very, very nice guy and provides some great feedback. Absolutely, and, and he, he has a system. He does not care, you know, you, you officiate well, you go to his camp, you're going to have to work JV for two years. And it's, it's a method to it, and you, you may not like it, you know, but he definitely has a system, and it seems to be working. What things do you go over in your pregame? Um, pregame is essential. So, you know, working with, like, so many different leagues and so many different uh, officials, you have to have a good pregame. So for me, it's always it's three teams. You know, there's the home team, it's the away team. We always want to be the best team out on the court. And um, your pregame should always include, you know, your communication, your eye contact. And um, we want to trust each other, but at the same time, I want us to get the call right. So if I say the call is blue, I thought blue touched the ball last. Um, I thought white touched the ball last, so I'm going to give the call to blue. Well, my partner at the scene may have a better angle, and Blue actually did tip that ball. I would want him to come to me to to make that call. So, constantly communicating, constantly trusting our partners, um, and just making sure we are in position to get the right call. Have you ever been in a situation where your partners really don't want to do a pregame, and and how do you handle that? Not for me, because I I. I, for me, it's just something that I just have to do. I just, I won't feel confident about officiating a game without a pregame. So, um, if I'm working with someone, um, that's a part of my crew, I'm just going to leave the pregame. So whether, um, they want to be a part of or not, they're going to hear what I'm saying. I'm going (laughs) to ask for positive feedback and ask them, is there anything else they want to add? And, um, I just think it just allows the game to go smoothly and it's just it's just vital. It is a game should not happen without a pregame. Right, yep, I agree. And that, that's part of being the R too is coming into the locker room and the pregame and making sure that 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 gets done. And so um, uh, that's good that you make sure that that happens before every game. Hey, that's the end of our pregame. We're going to head to the first quarter. But first, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC would like to know would like you to know a little bit about their business. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref, this is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref, click on www.pq-2.com. In our first quarter, we talk about the coaches and how we communicate with the coaches 
to make an make it an effective um, way of of going through a game. So, uh, any specific encounters or examples that you've had with a coach that might help some of the officials that are listening here? Maybe how to calm them down a little bit, or maybe just the overall communication with a coach that uh, you you find as effective for you. Yeah, I mean, I actually love communicating with the coaches um, throughout the game. Especially if, you know, if they have a question about a call I made and, um, you know, usually go uh, opposite table, I'll have my partner switch me so I can talk to that coach. Now, I'm not going to explain every single call, but I have no issues communicating with coaches um, on the dead ball or during a free throw. Because sometimes coaches, want they just want to be heard. They want you to explain um and if we're not perfect officials, so if I feel like I missed a call, I have no problem telling that coach, like, coach, I understand. I understand. Let's move forward, you know. But I just think having a um, positive flow of communication with the coaches kind of just make your game go a lot smoothly. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, basketball is just a lot of passion, you know, so you just can't take, take things so personal. Yeah, that's a good point. It really is. Passion is involved a lot in, in basketball. They let the, the, the heat of the moment, things are said sometimes. Do you find that, uh, you know, I know when I first started officiating, after we would call a foul, we went opposite table, and then they changed it to go, uh, we call a foul, we'd go, you know, table side, and so we were closer to the coaches, and now we're, we we go opposite table. What do you find better what do you like better? Do you like it being on the coach's side? Do you like it being opposite the coach's side? Um, I guess I, I like it being on the opposite side if I'm, especially if I'm an official that has made back-to-back calls, you know, I don't think I would want to be um, close to that coach. So I'm definitely okay with just, you know, calling, reporting a file, and then getting out of there and uh, opposite table. Yeah, yeah. So – who are some of the more memorable coaches that you've had uh, throughout the years and, and what made them so memorable to you? And, and when I say memorable, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a, in a positive yeah. way. Yeah. So I would say two, two coaches stand out and one is a male and one is a female. Um, the male, I would say Wadsworth, uh, Andy Booth, um, such a, such a great coach. Um, doesn't matter if he's winning by 30, down by 30. He coaches his team. If he'll have a question, he'll ask you a question. Uh, once you give him an answer, he's done with it, and then he's coaching his team. He's very respectful. His girls are respectful. Um, so Andy Booth, he's just a stand-up guy. Um, and then uh, the female, I would say North Kent Hoover's coach, Abby Audering. Um, she's just a class act. I just seen in the um, – She's just retiring this year, but her, you know, her coaches consist of her father and brother. Uh, she won a state championship when she was in high school at Hoover. Um, then she becomes a coach, and I think the Turner League is one of the toughest leagues in Ohio. And um, she still was able to win three district championships and a state final four runner-up. And all of this while she's battling MS. You know, she wow. has small kids, and she's such a passionate coach. And um, again. Just like Andy, no matter what that score is, um, she's going to be respectful. She's going to ask you a question, uh, but then she, she moves on. And so I just think she's just a true role model and a, and a winner. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a gem on the floor. That's great. Um, when, when you talk about um, your philosophy of handling coaches throughout a game, you talked a little bit about it, but 
Um, if you have a, a problem coach, do you speak with them throughout the game? Do you have any casual conversations or is it strictly business with you or does it just kind of depend on the situation? So if I, you know, I, I've been officiating for 16 years, so I've, there are some relationships that I've dealt with coaches, but once I walk in the gym, I keep it strictly business because I know people's perception can cause bias, you know, so, um, and I'll just keep the conversation between the basketball lines. When you see another official do that, um, always constantly have conversation with, with a coach, is that anything you speak up and talk to them about, or is that you just kind of let that go and let things work out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely speak up about it, especially throughout the game if there's a timeout, um, you know, and just try to get that official to not spend so much time explaining and, and interacting with the coach. You know, our job is to send players out on the court and let's try to get the focus back on those girls. Right. You know, we talk a little bit about coaches, and uh, sometimes they have to be dealt with in a manner that we really don't like. Do you recall any teas that that you have given out that yeah. maybe have been uh, maybe have a humorous I, I, story? I actually hate tech. I hate giving technicals. I really do. So <laughs> I feel like if I'm giving you a technical, you definitely aren't it. You know. So for players, if I'm giving a technical, you 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 definitely have to say something on sports and life. You definitely, if I call a foul, you mash the ball on the, on the ground and it goes up in the air. Um, and usually the only time I would attack a coach, you know, I have no problem with coaches protesting calls. You know, that's not a good call. That's not a good call. But as soon as they start making it personable, personal, you're terrible, um, yeah, then I may have to go ahead and have that coach sit. Or if the coach is, you know, coming out of his coaching box um, yelling at me or my uh, partners, I'm going to have to have that coach sit as well and give that coach a technical. Yeah. Yep. You know, that happens in games sometimes and they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they have to, they have to abide by the rules. And if they don't listen to the stop sign or if they say something out of control, we pretty much have to take care of it. And, um, it sounds, Absolutely. sounds like you, you know, when to and when not to, right? Absolutely. And I'm all for the stop sign coach. I've heard you. That's enough, you know? And so usually that, that seems to work with, a lot of the coaches, but then, you know, you may have one that's still kind of like teeter that fine line, and then I'll go ahead and just make it official and just put that warning in a book. Right. Yep. That is the end of our first quarter. We are going to head to the second quarter. But first, here comes Matt Kearns in PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref. Objectivity, integrity, and experience all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. Second quarter, we talk about how us officials deal with players and how we can communicate with players uh, in an effective manner. So, uh, Marquita, what kind of things can you say about working with the players? What's helped you the most in communicating with them? So, for me, um, I want to be personable to the players. 
I want to be approachable. Uh, I want them to see me, you know, to see the person behind the stripes. Um, and even in my professional career, you know, I work with students, so I want my families and, and students to be able to see the person behind, behind the position. So I encourage healthy dialogue and communication because when I was a player, that's what I wanted um, the officials to, to give me as well. You saying you were a talker when you were a player? <laughs> yeah, I was a little, I was just like, just energetic, just kind of, uh, you know, in your face, <laughs> you know, so just, uh, yeah, passionate. Yeah. Passionate. <laughs> oh, there's, there's that. I love that word. Yes, exactly. Passionate. <laughs> So now when now when you see a player on the basketball floor who's passionate, I think probably as an official you have a little bit more patience with them maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes too much passion can can, can get yourself in trouble. So um, <laughs> that's why with the, I try to be uh, proactive in my officiating. Right. You know, I, I, I really would like the game to flow. I want the game to flow. I don't want these game interrupters and these whistles at every position. So... I'm going to tell you, get your hands down, get your hands down, get out the key, you know. Um, but, again, if your passion is just driving contact and things like that, I'm going to go ahead and have to uh, report that violation or report that file. Right on. And, and that was actually coming up to the next question is the proactive officiating and keeping the flow in the game. Is there a specific area on the floor where you find yourself really – being that proactive official and talking to the players a little bit more? Yeah, I would definitely say probably when I'm the lead official, I, the, the post players, they just, you know, they like to teeter right in that uh, that key. You know, they want they want that ball there, and when that ball is not there, they still like to stay in that key um, instead of getting in, getting out. I'm like, get in, get out of there, get out of there, you know. Um, so I definitely think I, I – talk a lot to the lead and then I probably second would probably be the trail like starting the on ball you know some from uh the players like just put you know rep their hands on that offensive player so I'm constantly telling them get your hands down get your hands down hands out hands out hands out so it seems to work so if I can kind of talk a player out of a foul I, I definitely will be okay with that yeah, and it's always good to use that communication with the players. And sometimes we have to deal with some players who either don't listen, or you can just tell they're kind of the more difficult yeah. players, the, the more difficult players on the floor. How do you handle that with those players? Do you do you constantly communicate with them? And I know it. Eventually, we have to punish. You know the 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 yes. uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, so like on a dead ball, on a free throw, you know, number eleven, come here, you know, so. I'll allow her to vent her frustration, but I, I'm going to encourage her. Like, you know, you're going to have to play defense the right way. You know, I'm going to allow you to the opportunity to play the right way, but if you can't play the right way, then you're going to force me to, you know, make a call on my end that you may not like, whether it's a foul, whether it's a technical, whether it's intentional. But one way or another, we're going to have to try to, like, come together and make sure that we're playing the right way. Yeah, and I think generally they're pretty good at listening to that and uh, obeying those commands. But uh, I've noticed that the players talk a lot more this year to the officials. Have you noticed the same thing? Yes, I do. I do. Yep, yep. And I, and I tell them all the time, you guys play, we officiate. Yep. You guys play, 
would officiate. Unless they want us to know uh, what we're doing after the game, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I've never had that question before, but you know, uh, that yeah, that, that and I don't think I'll ever have that question <laughs> in the re- years remaining. I don't think I will either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game and the lighthearted five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref, this is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this. Hey, ref. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3, in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. So our third quarter, uh, we talk about how officials can get better throughout the game. And and for us, that's through our communication as a crew. And uh, I think that's a, a real important part, beginning from the tip-off and, and extending itself through the game. So uh, talk, if you would, a little bit about how we can get better as a crew throughout the game. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, communication is vital. So anytime I'm officiating, my partner and I are going to meet um, after the first timeout in each game. You know, whether it's an early timeout, whether it's a late timeout, we're going to meet and discuss the flow of the game, um, different scenarios that we might have missed or, or scenarios that we need to look out for. Um, if a player is standing in a key too long, if a player is, you know, maybe teetering with that with that illegal screen. So we're going to talk about any scenarios that we've seen in that first few minutes of the game. What advice would you give to the young officials who want to move from the lower levels to the varsity level? Um, I would say definitely take your time. Take your time. Um, don't be in a rush to move up too fast. Uh, go to many camps as you can. Uh, like I said, one of the best camps. Camps I went to was Kent Rockhold. I really believe it changed me as an official. And also find your mentor. Pick, pick his or her brain. Uh, go to their games. Invite them to your games so they can evaluate you as well. 
what do you look at for for the up and coming officials? What are some of the things that you look at that uh, that impress you about a young official? I would say their willingness to listen um, and to learn, uh, work ethic, and their appearance. Um, you know, you just nice. have to invest in your uniform. And our uniform costs a lot of money, you know, <laughs> but you just have to invest in it. You know, you can find black pants at Walmart, but if you want to be a good official, you really need to make sure you're you're purchasing your, your uniform at the proper purchasing store. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, one thing I'll I'll say this, sweatpants, black sweatpants, do not cut it. <laughs> do not cut it. Can I see that? I, I, I it's, have it's to. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I, like, are we really still doing this? Yeah. It's, it's, oh. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I, get... I'll give them credit for coming out on the floor. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, we got exactly. You've got to look the part. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's all and part of it. And I just think it. it says a lot about you as an official. Right. You can't, you don't take it serious. That is the end of our third quarter. We're going to head to the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, we have a variety of questions, so we'll be right back. Hey, ref, the fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game in the balance, a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds, and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. Fourth quarter begins. We start off with really um, the same question that we hear all the time. <laughs> and everybody knows what it is that listens to the podcast. I'm going to have to change these up. Uh, in fact, you know what? If you have a question that you want me to ask another official and, and uh, you say, Mark, you keep asking the same questions all the time. Well, email me. At markfrahillick at hotmail.com. I'd love to hear some of the questions that you want me to ask some officials. I think it's good to have a variety, and I can come up with some other ones, but I'd like to hear what you want me to ask. But in this case, the game's tied at 60. There's five seconds to go in the game. Team A has the inbound underneath their own basket, and they've called the timeout. What are you going to talk about with your partners during this timeout? And this is where effective communicating collectively. So... We're not going to call. We're not going to change the way we've been calling this game for, um, you know, based almost four quarters. Uh, but understand that no one cares about what we did in those three and a half quarters. They're only going to be caring about these last five seconds. Great point. Um, Great but again, point. we shouldn't change anything. We're going to protect our protect our shooters, and we're going to referee the defense as if the score was zero to zero. That's a great thing to talk about uh, during the timeout. And, uh, yep, we can go in and talk about how we could have this discussion for, you know, the length of the timeout, but that's pretty much um, hitting the nail right on the head. So that that's great. And I'm sure yep. there's other things that we can talk about, and other officials have talked about some of the things we can talk about. But 
but but you're 100 percent correct on what needs to be talked about there too so hey what uh, in in situations like that when the game's tied and there's just a few seconds to go in the game how do you stay calm on the court and how do you stay focused or are there certain habits that you use yeah so yeah so i always have my pockets i'll have a piece of candy or um gum you know so i love chewing gum um, I love candy. It, it just relaxes me. Now, uh, I'm not chewing gum when the game is to play because it's hard to have the gum and, and a whistle. But <laughs> during timeouts and in the quarters, I do, you know, stick a piece of candy in my mouth or chew some gum. So um, it just seem, it just seems to relax me. So, um, again, if I don't have a piece of gum, I'll just pop a, you know, a lifesaver in. And it just, I don't, I've been doing it for 16 years when I was playing basketball always had a piece of candy or a piece of gum in my mouth so it's just something that just seems very normal for me absolutely there's something about gum i've used gum i think <laughs> since i began and i i stick it between you know in the gums in the gums area uh during timeouts exactly. or during the game and and i've uh yeah i i can't tell you how many pieces of gum i've gone through throughout throughout a season but um seems, seems to work and keep you calm that's for sure um yeah, so when you look at officiating, what do you gain from it in your professional career? Um, the officiating has taught, taught me patience. Uh, when I was a player, um, you know, I played at a quick tempo, which is so opposite from officiating. Um, some of the best officials have the most patient whistles. You know, they see the entire play before, you know, they blow that whistle and are not anticipating the foul before it actually occurs, so... I definitely think patience is at the top of the list. What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you, either on the court or off the court, uh, throughout your career as an official? Well, when I was doing JV early in my officiating career, maybe uh, year three, I was doing a JV game um, at a local school in Akron. And uh, after the game, you know, I go to the locker room and change and you know, I noticed the dad, you know, was just kind of like staring at me, didn't think much of it, walked to my car, realized he was following me. So I didn't go to my car and um, I went back inside the gym, and, you know, and found the officer. And um, by that time, my dad was no longer uh, following me. But it was the, one of the scariest things mm. I, I went through because I just didn't understand, you know, of a JV game, like what happen or what did we do as a crew so bad where you would want to intimidate uh, a female um, walking to her car alone yeah and, and talk about how that affects you as an official too when something like that happens yeah I started second guessing everything so I started replaying every uh, every play that happened you know like I wonder which one was the daughter did I not qualify when she drove to the basket or um, you know did we missed things that we shouldn't have missed so I just started replaying everything in my head and uh just started making me feel unsure that this was something that I was really cut out for yeah well I'm glad you got your confidence back on that and you've had some great games I'm sure over your career what are some of the more memorable games that you've had so I'm so grateful for uh my state Mm -hmm. um, state finals experiences but it's something about the regional final game that is like just gives me chills you know so just being a part of a team reaching um, the highest stage of high school basketball 
uh, it just gives me chills, and it's just something I'm sure every little girl dreams about. So I think any time I have an opportunity to do a regional final game, it's probably, uh, you know, just, just a feeling that I just, I don't know. It's, it's just, I can't explain it, and I always look forward to those games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is the end of our fourth quarter. We're going to head to the post game. We'll be right back. Hey, ref, good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Well, some of the best parts of officiating is that brother and sisterhood. And as we enter the post game, that is uh, one of the best things to talk about. So in your uh, years of officiating, what are some examples that you have that showcases how valuable it is to have that brotherhood and sisterhood in officiating? Yeah, so, yeah, COVID took away a lot of things, but it just didn't change the relationships, you know, although we couldn't carpool together, um, meeting up um, before the games with referees from um, different parts of the state of Ohio. Um, of course, being a female, my all-time favorite is working with two other females. Um, it's just an immediate bond. Um, I know uh, players and fans, they, they enjoy it. We get uh, a lot of positive feedback. Um, throughout the game, after the game, and uh, it's just really, it just allows you to understand, like, how important the, the women and or um, females and officiating, how it's growing, um, how we need more women officials, and it's just a real unspoken bond, and I just encourage more, more women to get involved in officiating. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, there's definitely a need for that and anything that we can do, and, and hopefully you know, this will help as well, but anything that we can do to increase the numbers and, and the interest is, is always a good thing. Um, I'm sure that throughout your career you've had some really good advice, but can you recall maybe what the best advice is that you've ever received from another official? Um, again, as I was just moving up the ranks and, um, you know, getting better games and getting tournament games, um, another female official was just, she told me to just, you know, always be yourself, you know, always be humble, uh, don't cheat the game. And she just said, study your rule book, you know, stay in your rule book. Things are constantly changing, but just make sure you stay in your rule book. How about conditioning and, and workouts? I know how important that is for officials throughout the year, but what do you do uh, off-season to, to stay in shape and, and also maybe during the season if, if you have any workout regimen that you do? So I usually rest AAU. Um, so usually I, I'm repping through March, so I'll take a couple weeks off, and then I'll do AAU through May uh, every weekend. And every weekend I'm probably doing between 12 and, and 14 games. And then in June, I'm always officiating the high school summer leagues. 
and then uh, I'll take, you know, I'll take a month off, and then I'll get ready to do um, some fall league just to get ready for the upcoming season. So I really try to, to stay in officiating shape throughout the entire year. Yeah, boy, that's great. And, and that leads into the next question about family life. You know, I know that as an official, um, you know, we, we know how much it can take a hit on family life, but how have you been able to balance that along with officiating? Well, um, I used to officiate boys, I would say, between like year seven and maybe year 10. And then when my son got in high school, and so boys were playing on Tuesdays and Friday nights, so I no longer was officiate boys basketball so I could attend his games. And now he's playing in college, so I always have to modify uh, my referee schedule so I can get out to his games. Um, and then my parents, my parents have been married for 51 years coming up in April. And so awesome. I know after work, I go straight to their house, you know, three to four times a week before I go to my games in the evening. So I always try to make sure I find time for my family. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure they appreciate that too. And yeah, you know, that's one of the things that we, we uh, didn't talk about is uh, the success of your son. You said he's at Allegheny College. Yes, he's at Allegheny College, and uh, we, we were. It's funny because he, he's never seen me play, but our style of play is, is very similar. Um, you know, he just he didn't get the, the highest of dad. He got kind of more my height. He's only about five nine, five ten, but very close. He's had a great career at Copley, um, and so he's at a school where he can uh, pursue his athletics, but most importantly, get a great education. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay, that's the end of our post game. We're going to head to the five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref, PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Official site relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night, year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. Our last segment is five quick decisions. And uh, first question is that we talk about my favorite thing to talk about, food. Um, we have uh, on occasion been fed after ball games on Friday and Saturday nights or and even maybe during the week. So uh, talk a little bit about maybe some of the more favorite food that you've received at basketball games throughout the years and maybe this year too. Yeah, so uh, kind of looked, I mean, there wasn't a lot of concession stands, unfortunately, this year, but um, on a normal season, it would be popcorn. And I'm biased, but I feel like Copley High School has the best buttery popcorn. <laughs> so I usually get that while watching watching some of the JV game. And then you have some of the concession stands um, at previous, previous years will always give the officials uh, a hot dog, you know, a Snickers, and so like Lake and um, Barton High School does that. So I, I enjoy those treats that we get as the official. Yep. Anything, uh, anything we can get is always uh, very, very appreciated. So uh, if there is uh, one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be? And I'm sure you've heard this a million times, <laughs> but the uniforms. 
I just, I, I'm, I'm tired of just, you know, policing these kids. How many? We can't see the manufacturer on the shore, so you need to roll them up. You got them rolled up too low. You got to unroll it. It's your headband matching your knee pad. So that stuff, I can just do it out. What do you think is the the most misunderstood rule from our fellow fans and coaches? I would definitely say the loose ball. The player dives and they're, they're sliding with the ball, and all you hear is travel, you know. <laughs> and I know it looks weird, you know, but a player can slide with the ball, you know, as long as, as, long as they're not rolling over. But if they're just sliding with the ball, you know, it's, it's not a travel, even though it looks kind of weird. How about the best facility that you've ever worked a game in not being a college facility? I would say Wildsworth High School. I think the lighting is amazing. I think the, the space is great. The um, the bleachers are not sitting right on the court, so there's room for the officials to maneuver when they're the lead official. Um, there's room for uh, the, the players are not on top of each other, so I would definitely say Wildsworth High School. And the last question, what is the funniest thing that a player or a coach ever said to you? So it was one of my varsity games and uh, the coach, you know, you know, they learn your name. So, Marquia, you have to call the first foul. I just did. Then you got my whistle, I did. <laughs> he wanted you to call the so, first foul. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess he thought there was a foul before the whistle I had, but I was like, I did, I just blew my whistle, so he didn't, he didn't appreciate it at all. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> That's all right, though. Well, hey, uh, Marquita, thank you for spending uh, your time here with the High School Basketball Referee Podcast with Mark Fralick. I really appreciate the time you are able to spend with us. I appreciate you having me. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.